You are now listening to What the Hell, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 84 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today I'm going to be talking about something a little bit different, something that I have not brought up on any social media platform before, because not everyone should have access to the intimate parts of our life. And with social media, the boundaries can get blurred very quickly. And it's important to guard your heart and especially the things that are very precious to you and situations that you're going through. Sometimes they're not meant to be shared with everyone. Most times they're not meant to be shared with everyone. And there's a time to share and a time not to share. And I feel like I can talk about this subject now because I'm at a place where I have some resolution, we'll say. So many people ask me about children. Are you going to have children? I don't know if you knew this, but in case you didn't, and in case you didn't listen to my episode with my husband, there is a 20-year age gap between us. Moreover, Kevin had a vasectomy from his previous marriage. So when we married, I kind of knew the score. I had never wanted children before Kevin. I was... I didn't have that really strong maternal instinct. I didn't grow up thinking like, oh, I'm going to have all these kids. That just wasn't me. But when I met Kevin, I saw a life for a child that I never had. And I'm going to get back to that uh, motivation in a little bit. But I thought, wow, here's this person that could be such a wonderful father. I didn't have a father growing up. Thankfully, I had a grandfather who acted as my male role model, but I had some very dysfunctional dysfunctional men in my family. I didn't grow up, you know, with my dad around. And so I thought, here's this man who's wonderful. He'll be a wonderful father. And it changed my perspectives on children. However, I knew the score, right? Like vasectomies can be reversed, but they're not always successful. However, we did embark on that journey. And when we, I think it was a year after we got married, he had a vasectomy. And we tried for six months and, you know, he got his analyses back and there was nothing coming through, no sperm. So the vasectomy didn't work. And for a couple years, we just left it and we didn't do anything more. And then when I went back to school, I started learning about, you know, developmental psychology and children. And I'd get these like really overwhelming feelings of having children. And I kind of tried to suppress those thoughts. But as we all know, you can suppress something as much as you want. It doesn't mean that it's going to go away. And I'd get really emotional in class. Like I'd have to hold back tears when they're talking, when the teacher's talking about, you know, different things in childhood development. And I was like, okay, something's going on here. 
And so we explored many different options. We went down the adoption route. We filled out forms. We were accepted. We were going to go down there and something was just really staying our hands. So the more we communicated about it, we decided that a second reversal was the best option for us. Adoption is a very lengthy and expensive process. So we decided to abandon that option. So last year in November, almost a year ago, what day is it today? The third. Okay, so not quite a year ago, but almost a year ago. Kevin went down to the States and got a second vasectomy. So a reversal redo, a vasectomy reversal, a reversal redo. And we had really high hopes. You know, this is something, you know, five years later that we're exploring again. So at this point, we're like six years into trying to have children, discussing children. It's been a topic of conversation for years. Basically, our our whole marriage will be married seven years on the 21st of this month in November. So he flies down, gets this. We have really high hopes. And it's been about a year and there's nothing coming through. His analyses show the same thing. There was one analysis that showed some getting through, but it closed up again. And so during that surgery, he had some vials of sperm taken out, quite a few. And so we thought, you know, we have a backup plan. We can do IVF, um, which is something I never really wanted to do. Uh, But there's there's other options. So when we talked to the fertility clinic and his surgeon, we went over these discussions and you know IVF has worked for many many couples but it is not something that I was prepared to embark on it's very hard on your body it can be hard on your marriage it's hard on your finances and I just didn't want to do it I just didn't want to do it but IUI was another option I think it's um in utero insemination. That's what it stands for. So I thought, oh, you know, this is like <laughs> turkey baster method, right? And this is this is like a, a TMI kind of podcast, but I'm I'm gonna get to like a really critical point in all of this, I promise. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, sweet turkey baster method. It's you know cheap and cheerful, right? Like how much could it cost? How much could actually be involved? Well, actually, a lot is involved, and it's extremely expensive and has a very low success rate. So once I found out that it, I was going to be required to go on fertility drugs, it was going to cost thousands of dollars per cycle, with a twenty percent success rate and possible genetic issues within my heredity. It really made me take a step back and reassess whether I wanted to do this. And the short answer is no, I didn't. I don't. And so, you know, coming to that conclusion, when you've talked about something for 
years and you've had, you know, this picture painted in your mind of how life is going to look like. And you like you can replace children and put it with anything. We have this idea about how our lives are going to wind up looking like and they never really do. So we had decided, okay, maybe we'll try IUI. And I was so stressed about it that I finally just said, I don't want to do it. You know, I want to put this whole conversation to bed. I thought, you know, my line was a lot further away than it really was. And I realized like, I've actually come to my breaking point. I've come to that line where when is enough enough? Like, when do we stop trying? When do we move on? Like, how long do we keep giving this our attention? And again, you can take this situation and put it towards anything that you're going through. How long do you want to continue on the road that you're continuing on? Or do you just kind of have to throw up your hands and say, if it was meant to be, it would have been. And maybe, just maybe, I don't want it bad enough. And that's okay. You know, there's a lot of pressure on women to have children. And I know people are like, oh, it's gotten better in feminism. But like, I'm telling you right now, there is a lot of pressure for women to have children. I mean, just think about the language that surrounds not having children. What do we call a person that doesn't have children? Childless. Well, that childless, that lessening of something means that you are deficient, that you're lacking something. Think of, think about what you would say if someone doesn't have a job, they're jobless. Well, that's a very different connotation than like, I'm retired or I chose not to work. Your job less means you're deficient or you're lacking in something. And for a lot of people, they simply choose not to have children because they don't want them. And it doesn't mean that you don't like children. I I love children. But I think the language around choosing not to have children needs to change, first and foremost, so women don't feel this incredible pressure to have children. Not only that, but we are seeing fertility issues increase as years go on. Why? For a multiple number of reasons. First and foremost, women are having children later in life. So it makes it harder for women to conceive. Why are children, why are women having children later on in life? Because they're getting educated, because they're in the workforce, they're working longer, they're working more. I think the average age that women have children now is 30. I mean, think about when a woman is able to bear children, usually around the age of 15 or 16. I mean, their prime childbearing years are not spent childbearing. They're spent now in education and working. And so women are having children later and we're seeing increases in fertility issues for both men and women, mind you. So... There's couples that have a lot of issues having children as well, and it doesn't work out for everyone. And so the pressure to have children or, you know, to be able to have children is extremely high and it's pervasive. I mean, I I don't know if I've talked about this before, 
but I I got it worse from like my male friends saying like, oh, you have to have children. I mean, my grandfather, whom I love dearly, but like before he passed, basically told me, told me it was my duty to have children, you know, to have that kind of weight on your shoulders and then not be able to do that is so disheartening to not be able to feel like you didn't uphold your duty. So, I mean, that's my own thing. The other thing that I really had to question was my motivation for children. Now, if you know me or have listened to me, maybe you've gotten the sense that like, I kind of go after what I want and I usually get it. So when I put my mind to something, I generally succeed at what I'm trying to get. I wanted to go back to university. I didn't have any of my high school math. I had to redo all my high school math. I had to learn math before that because I always believed that I wasn't good at it. I was put in modified math from the age of like, I don't know, 13. So I basically had to learn grade 10, 11, and 12 math before even taking an upgrading course to get into university. And I had to pass with a 96% minimum, which I did. So it's like, I had to ask myself, okay, do I really, if I really wanted children, I would find a way, whether that was through adoption or, you know, we do IVF. When someone wants something, they generally will move mountains to get it. And I just didn't want to. I mean, I did not want to move those mountains to have children. So what was the motivation? Why was I getting super emotional in class about children and having children? And I had to really think about the reason for having children and how it was linked to my upbringing and this notion of recreating a life that you never had. I don't know if this is self-evident to you, but that's not a good motivation to have children. <laughs> I mean, to get, to have a life that you didn't have that you're going to give to this person, it's actually not a good motivation because you cannot undo the hands of time. You cannot rewrite the past no matter how hard you try. You can't make up for failed relationships or non-existent relationships in this little package that you call a child. You cannot undo your own past through having children. It just doesn't work that way. You give them the life that they're going to have, not the life that you didn't have. Maybe, maybe you're like, What's wrong with that motivation? But like the motivation to have children should come because you genuinely want to love someone and give them a good life, not to rewrite your own past. I hope that's making sense. But for me, that was the strongest motivation to have children is this notion of maybe it will like right some wrongs. And it just, it just doesn't. It really just doesn't. So we made the decision to not explore having children any further. And you know, when Kevin went in for the surgery, we knew that there was a chance it wouldn't work. And we did initially say, if this doesn't work, then maybe it's not meant to be. We prayed about it. We felt like this is where we were being led. 
But if it doesn't work, maybe it just wasn't meant to work. And yet we still kind of, you know, pushed for it once we found out and entertained the idea of IUI. And I just thought there comes a breaking point in everyone's life when they have these big decisions to make. And you have to find your line because if you keep pushing it, then I don't think you, you can find peace. And that's with any decision. You have to know when enough is enough. One of the hardest parts about making a big decision is thinking about what could have been. And when it comes to something like deciding not to have children, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have certain a certain longing or desire or think about the what ifs. Like, I wonder what life would have been like if... I had children, right? It doesn't mean that those thoughts never come up. It doesn't mean that there's not a grieving process. But I'm telling you right now, in case you didn't realize, I'm sure you have, but I will remind you that things in life don't always work out how we think that they will or how we want them to. But they do work out in a way that's best for us most of the time. But wondering what could have been doesn't just happen with deciding not to have children. It happens in a lot of different areas and it's been a reoccurring theme for me. What if I would have had a father around? What if I wouldn't have been abused when I was a child? What would life have looked like for me, right? There's all of these questions uh, what if I never married Kevin? What if I didn't do my personal training? What if, what if I didn't become a personal trainer? What if I went this route? And so I think we we can get so fixated on certain goals that we have and we look at them like they're the end all and be all, but we have to realize that we've already been through life and had goals or maybe had dreams that didn't work out and then we move on. And it's important that we allow ourselves to move on when we have a goal and maybe it doesn't work out. Like, how are we going to adapt? How resilient are we going to be? And how are we going to find a way to move on? So I I want to bring that up because I think that's really important. We get fixated on these goals. They don't work out. And we think it's the end of our life or that life can't be good without that thing. But that's not true because there's been lots of things that you've probably wanted that didn't work out and life has gone on and you've been fine. And so with big decisions, remind yourself of that. Like life can be good whether this thing happens or not. The problem people get into is they make their happiness contingent upon certain outcomes, which is a very bad idea because those things can be taken away from us. So when we make our happiness contingent upon things that can A, not work out, or B, be taken away from us, it creates that internal instability. And whether we are aware of that instability or not, our brains are. Like, we're not stupid as human beings. We ha- we have this spiritual nature. We know that things like 
uh, weight, like weighing a certain amount or having children or getting married or having this job, all these things that we make our happiness contingent upon, that those things can be taken away or not work out how we think they're going to. And yet we still strive for them and we still think that we're going to get all this happiness and we do get happiness from it but we can also get happiness from other things but when all of our happiness is centered around these specific things then we are always placing that happiness in the future or in something else instead of finding it right now and right here and where you are and that is I know it's easier said than done we're all in different situations but I will bring up the notion of agency And I want to, I think I've talked about agency before, but maybe I haven't. And agency is just the ability to create your own future, that you have a role in creating your life. And agency is very important for our well-being. In fact, when people feel they don't have agency over their life, we see issues with mental health and with physical health. So agency is a very important concept to understand. And we're actively making decisions every single day. Now things get thrust upon us. So you could say, well, I didn't have any agency over that. I lost my job or my spouse died or, you know, something, something else happens. I'm not able to have children because of fertility issues. However, We have agency over how we react to those situations and how we move forward. So though you may not be able to control all of the stuff that happens to you, and for the most part, we can control a lot of stuff that happens. Most stuff we don't control. But we do control how we react and how we adapt. And I want you to remind yourself of that when you're struggling with something is that you still have agency over your life in whatever capacity that looks like, even if it's just to choose the attitude that you have about that situation or the way that you communicate or just how you're how you move forward. So that was just a little mini-sode for you. I know that it was centered around the decision to not have children, but it's transferable to other issues or other things, situations that we find ourselves in. And it was really to paint a picture about how your life can look wonderful with or without certain things. And you have agency over your life, even if that's just in the way that you approach the situations that you go through. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some insights out of it. Until next time, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave me a review as your reviews get this message of better health out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lena Jade's Healthy Life, where I post fitness, nutrition, and psychology content. All right, you guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day, always remember, you are powerful over your health.